to myself again But it's the only way you're ever gonna learn You look back and it's all in the past I'm dwelling on the thoughts I cannot say to you If I don't say the words then maybe it's not true Good morning, welcome along to NUFC Matters with me, Steve Wraith. Tuesday brings Ross Gregory. Good morning, Ross. Morning, Steve. Morning, everyone. Good to see you, mate. And there's always plenty to talk about in the world of Newcastle United. And the defeat, Ross, uh, to start uh, this week for us, uh, a rare defeat and a comprehensive defeat at the hands of Aston Villa, who uh, we were all hoping we would uh, get three points against, but uh, ultimately didn't. Bit of a wake-up call. A um, couple of things which came out of the fans' forum last night was... You know that um, you know Eddie Howe now has an easier job at the weekend picking the team because nobody nobody's got a, a right to start. I would say at the weekend, um, and I chucked a, a you know a suggestion in you know maybe you know maybe Eddie Howe might have done the wrong thing in, in playing Anthony Gordon on on the weekend because of you know that that little spat that they had at the weekend. Although it was all cleared up and it was all handshakes and he was in the team photo at the end, etc. I just just wonder sometimes you, you've managed on a Sunday, you're a chairman of Wickham now, you know, sometimes doing that kind of thing can have a negative effect in the dressing room when somebody sees a sign of petulance from a player towards the gaffer. Um, you know, and then the start the following week it, it sometimes sets out the wrong Sent out the wrong message. Um, that was my suggestion. It's not based on anything I've heard or anything like that. That was just me chucking that in there. But overall, give us your assessment of the of the game, Ross. What what you thought of it? Yeah. So I mean, kind of full disclosure from the start. I didn't watch the full game. Um, I haven't seen it. I've seen extended highlights, but I haven't seen the, the full game. But <clears throat> I think from everything that I saw and 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 did see and and heard and kind of followed on on social media as the kind of the game was going on. Um, it was clearly a below par performance, and um, I think if I'm being brutally honest, I, I, while it was disappointing in the in the kind of the nature of the defeat was was really disappointing, and the, the performance levels weren't you know were probably the, the worst that they've been this season. If I'm being if I'm being brutally honest, I, I think it's been coming, Steve. I don't I think that type of performance has probably been on the cards for for a little while. I don't think they played very well against um, against Brentford. Um, certainly not first half. You know, I had a kind of purple spell for 20, 25, 30 minutes in the second half, and then um, I'm not saying they were hanging on at the in, at the end, but you know, Brentford came back a little bit stronger towards the end of that that game. I don't think for it was a it was a Really comfortable 5-1, 5-1 win against West Ham. I don't think Newcastle played well against West Ham either. I thought the, the I thought the I, I'm maybe picking a little bit, you know, to say that they won five one and didn't play well. It, it's a sign of a good side. I, I just thought that in possession, Newcastle were really really sloppy. I thought they were really sloppy at times against West Ham, um, and against a better team who didn't you know who didn't gift so many ridiculous goals away. Then it could have been a different story. Um, on that game, like I say, maybe I'm being slightly, slightly overcritical and slightly negative, but that's just how I saw it. So I wasn't massively surprised by the the, the Villa results. Maybe it's a bit more by the performance, I suppose, over a full ninety minutes. But you've got to remember as well that Unai Emery is a fantastic coach. There's a reason why Newcastle were interested in, in bringing him to the club at one point, um, and he's got Villa absolutely flying. You know, he's he's got them. 
he's got them right bang on the on the coattails of of the teams chasing European places now. You know, they're only six points behind Newcastle, albeit they played a game more, but they're in a real rich vein of form. He's a he's a very, very accomplished coach manager. You don't win the, the trophies and the titles and, and stuff that, that uh Unai Emery's won without without having uh, something about you. So um they were fantastic. Newcastle were really, really poor. Um and I think all you can do now is 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 you know as a manager as if Eddie Howe and for the players is is just try to forget about that. Not necessarily forget about some of the aspects of it in terms of you know where the performance can be improved, but you know that's gone now. It's a huge game ahead on Sunday. You've got to just try to put that to the back of your mind and, and and start again and focus and say, look, that's a blip. That's that's one game. Yeah, the, the season so far has been fantastic. Newcastle still in fourth position, still in the box seat in terms of going for the Champions League finish. Got a little bit of luck with um <clears throat> with the other results that went. There we are, particularly obviously, obviously Spurs getting beat off Bournemouth. So look, forget about it and, and go ahead for for Sunday. In terms of the team selection and and everything else like that, then you know, my understanding is Sean Longstaff was had been ill during the week, and that's one of the reasons why why he didn't start. Um, what it does what it does illustrate though, I think, is is why Sean Longstaff has his has his critics. What he contributes to the team in terms of the shape, the dynamic, the um, the way that Newcastle play, the intensity, what it, the, the protection that he gives Kieran Trippier, um, <clears throat> the the way he um, kind of integrates with with Bruno and and with the wide forward, whoever that is, whether that's that's Miguel Moron or Jacob Murphy or Anthony Gordon or whoever it is, um, is very very important to Newcastle's. Structure to Newcastle, shape to the way Newcastle want to play. Now, take him out of the team, and and you know the, the shape just you know and the game and the bits of that so didn't didn't look didn't look as, as solid. There was a lot of um, you know Aston Villa targeted a lot down that flank. You know, targeted Kieran Trippier and Fabian Share with with Ollie Watkins pulling into into some great positions. If Sean Longstaff had played, would he have given a little bit more protection? Maybe he didn't play. That's it's kind of by the by now, but I think what it does show is that is that Newcastle still are a little bit away from from having the strength and depth that they need, and um, and when they have an off day, Newcastle have to be at their at their best most games. I think to to still be pushing for that top four. I don't think they can. I don't think Newcastle can drop their levels to 80 percent and still get through games like some teams can because of the individual quality. I think Newcastle need to be full throttle pretty much every game to be able to get results against the, the better teams and the informed teams in that league. And Villa is certainly an informed team in that league. So yeah, look, bad day, really, really bad day. But it's gone now. Let's let's look forward. Let's let's for the players, they need to put that behind them and and, and move forward in the in the spurs because that's going to be absolutely huge. Yeah, we'll come to that towards the end of the programme. What, what's your thoughts on the Gordon situation? Like, hypothetically, you were manager of Newcastle United. You had that situation with Gordon the week before. Um, would you pick them? I, I would have based it on, I, I, truly and honestly, and I'm not sitting on the fence here, I would have based it on what he did in, in, in training and, and the reaction. And and I wouldn't certainly hold a little um, a spat, you know, which was over in 10, 15 seconds. And by all accounts, he apologised pretty much straight after. I wouldn't have held that against them. I'm not saying that I necessarily would have would have started them. Um but you've got to take into consideration everything that's that's happened during the week with 
with you know with Sean Longstaff illness with Miguel on still coming back from back to fitness um with um with Alan St. Maximum being injured you know there's a few different things to to wheel up I thought personally and this is just my personal opinion I thought it was a storm and a teacup the Anthony Gordon thing it was a it was it was nothing I wouldn't necessarily you know I thought it was it was probably made there was I thought there was too much made of it on on social media and elsewhere. I thought it was a, a storm and a take up. He was unhappy being taken off. You know that's that happens. He's still a he's still a young man. He, he you know he's going to be a bit petulant. I've managed petulant players on a Sunday morning, Steve, as I'm sure you have. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it sometimes it it's just emotion in in games and a little bit of um, sometimes a little bit of immaturity. So I would I certainly wouldn't have held it against him. I would have based my team selection on what he'd done. In training, what the rest of the team had done in training, what the what the system and, and stuff like that was was around it, I certainly wouldn't have not started them just because of that. If there was other issues, then you know, and, and you know, maybe you do take into account some of the uh, feelings and views of senior members in the squad as well, what they thought of it. That, I think yeah. you would, manager, you would check in on on those as well. But no, I wouldn't have necessarily held it held it against them to be honest. Yeah, I, I was thinking back through you know my managerial times, and um, I did it once. I think I did it once, and um, never did it again. But yeah, it was interesting. It was just something that I, I threw out there. So, you know, a lot of people criticised Sean Longstaff, uh, Ross. Uh, it was that game at the weekend the perfect example of why he's an important part and parcel of this, and why potentially Newcastle have been looking at Scott McTominay as a as, as another player to come into the team because. Unfortunately, the dirty players and the people who do the dirty work in, in that midfield are equally as important as those who are creative and score goals. The, the Scott McTominay point that you've made there, Steve, is absolutely bang on. It's absolutely on the money. I think that is it completely where Newcastle are looking at um, in terms of being able to have two players for every position or two players that that can do uh, the same job. Now, Sean Longstaff it can, can do some things that other players can't and he doesn't do he doesn't have the 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 the, the talents or the abilities that some other players have in certain areas. You've got to have that mix, and and you, if you're taking players out of a team, a successful team, a team that's playing well in a certain way, shape, system, formation, tactics, then the best thing that you can do as a manager is then being a, be able to 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 parachute in somebody who's a complete like for like replacement, and it doesn't alter the you know just by taking one player out, it doesn't necessarily alter the shape or the team or the, the way that you're playing. So, um, a lot of times that you will find that players don't always get the appreciation that they deserve until they are out of the team, and people then can say actually, oh, actually, this is what he was bringing to the team. I, I've maybe underestimated them, and and sometimes players become better players. Um, when they sat on the sidelines, and I think that was probably a case on on um, on Saturday. I'm not saying for one minute that if if Sean Longstaff had played, Newcastle would have won the, won the game because it, it and it wasn't. I'm not saying for one minute as well that it was only because of of Sean Longstaff that you know that or, or the changing system. I thought there was a lot of before below par performances from what I saw on on Saturday. There was a lot of below par performances, and to put it just down to, to one player's absence would be would be wrong, and and would give um, would give excuses to, to other players, um, which they shouldn't have because the you know there was quite clearly some some bang average um, performances. But look, they've they've um, the standards that have been that have been maintained kept and maintained over 
over the course of this season so far. You've got to give them a little bit of leeway because you know every now and again there will be a little slip because that's just human nature. That's just that's just you know human error and, and it's try, having that consistency across a full season is very very difficult. Just look at look at Arsenal over the last couple of weeks. Just look at you know <clears throat> Liverpool can get get tanked off off one team and go and tank somebody else here with Man United. You know they can get turned over seven 0 and they're still third in the league. So you know finding that consistency of performance is is, is difficult at this. At this in this level over a, over a long kind of 30 or 40 game season so um but yeah Sean Longstaff for me is an integral part of of the way Newcastle play the way Eddie Howe wants to play and I can certainly say I've said this on this show before why Scott McTominay is somebody who interests them because he is a it, for me he's a good player he's a good player whether he's he's a great player probably not but he's a very good player in a in a certain system and a certain way of playing uh, that point that Simon makes when Eddie Howard announced to the world for the first time hours before the Villa game that if we get top four, he will be buying star players. <laughs> he told the players, your success for playing will be to lose your jobs. Mm-hmm. That's quite a, an interesting take. I mean, he didn't announce it. He was asked in the press conference, you know, about levels and if, if you finish in the Champions League position, is the budget going to be different if, if you finish in the Europa League? Um, but yeah, it's an interesting point. I mean, I guess... Some players it might affect, but in in the grand scheme of things, I, I doubt that was the re- you know that was the reason that we we got tonked at the weekend. No, no, I don't think so at all. I think you know if 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 any player wants to wants to perform at the best level that they can, and, and most players will will back their back their ability, back their um, you know be confident about their ability, and, and you know the you know giving Eddie Howe a reason to. To keep them within the setup, to keep them within the squad. So I don't think that would have had any negative effect personally. I think it would have just, if anything, it just he's just answering a question at the press conference. It would have sharpened and hopefully focused focused the minds because you know Newcastle, you'd have to be you'd have to be really naive and really um, <laughs> clueless about football to think that if Newcastle didn't, if Newcastle got it in the Champions League, that they wouldn't be going after a different caliber of player. You know you, you, that that would be extraordinarily naive from from any player at Newcastle to think, oh well, we've got the Champions League. That means that I'm just going to keep my place, and Newcastle aren't going to, you know, the team aren't going to strengthen anywhere. It would be, you know, extraordinarily naive, and I don't think players think like that personally. So I don't think it would have had a negative effect at all. Any updates on ASM? Uh, he's obviously been away. Uh, another press conference question was, um, you know, did 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 he find it, um, you know, uh, difficult that you know. <laughs> that he went off to France to get you know to get fit, and Eddie said he didn't have any issues with it. But uh, you know, any any updates? Is is he back on Tyneside this week? I've not heard Steve, if I'm being honest. Uh, but this is this is something that that ASM's done before. He's, he's when he's been injured, he's gone he's gone back uh, to France and and for treatment. And a lot of players do that if they've got certain um, physios, certain people that they they trust. With their um, with their rehab, it obviously it depends on how how serious and how long the the period of time that they're going to be out is as well. Because you know clubs and managers will afford players that that kind of luxury to go back. Right, you're injured. Make sure you're still doing your rehab, but you can have a, a few days away to um, to to see your family or to, to to recuperate in in at home. Because you know sometimes you don't get that opportunity as much during the season. So. Um, I don't know if he's if he's back on Tyson. I would have thought he would, probably would be this week, but 
Um, you know, he, he regularly posts on his on his social media, you know, updates on on his fitness and on his um, on his recovery. You know, you often see him on the in the gym or um, or working working back towards his fitness. So, fingers crossed, he can get back um, sooner rather than than later um, because it would be a, a bonus to have have him back fit. You know, I think I think everybody understands that he's got ongoing kind of fitness issues and and he's his fitness record, his injury record has been a little bit not not the greatest since he since he arrived at, at Newcastle. But you know, we all saw when he's when he's fit and flying and, and in good form what a what an asset he is to, to Newcastle, certainly in a push for for a top four place. Yeah. I, I mean as well, the, the other thing is as well, you mentioned those other games that we, we we played recently and you said you thought it was coming. We seem to be starting off games very, very slowly getting caught out. What, what do you think that's down to? I don't know, Steve. It's, it's a good point because um, it's obviously happened over over the last kind of two or three weeks. Um, previously, Newcastle have, have, have been really quick out of the traps, though, as well. You know, they, they, they've been extraordinarily quick out of the traps. And, and you know, I, I can think of games where, you know, that first 10 minutes... Newcastle have either got themselves a goal or created a couple of chances. Certainly at home, they've come out. You know, I think it's maybe it's more the the, the home games. You know, the, the start of games has, has been electric. You know, uh, fired on by the the atmosphere and the crowd. Maybe, um, maybe it's slightly different when when they play away from home. Maybe they're, they're told, you know, let's just you know sit in, be cautious. You know, try to you know quite try to dampen the crowd down a, a little bit. Maybe the the you know the the prep uh, leading into away games uh, needs needs looked at. Um, I don't know. It's it, it's a slight concern. I think certainly over the last um, over the last two or three games that the that the start hasn't been great. Even the West Ham game when you know Newcastle were <clears throat> what two 0 up inside fifteen minutes, and you think oh that's a really strong start. Well, it, it was. But if you remember, if you go back to the first five minutes of that game, I think West Ham hit the post didn't they and, and created a couple of couple of good chances so yeah I think the look we've had three four away games on the bounce now uh, which has been a really difficult run of um of away fixtures if you looked at, at West Ham um Brentford and Villa and said look you'll get six out of nine points I think I would have taken that still in the top four knowing that you're going into a, a home game against uh, inconsistent but talented Spurs squad still ahead of them in the table, still with with uh, your destiny in your own hands. Look, it's been a tricky away away run, um, but back at St James's, hopefully they can start games better and carry that momentum on throughout uh, throughout the full ninety minutes. Mm. Callum Wilson, uh, you know, came out on his podcast the week before, said he was, you know, he's quite angry that he, you know, he hadn't started against. Um, uh, Brentford, I think it was, and and from his perspective, I can understand that. Eddie Howe said he could understand as well. He just want players to be happy when they're on the bench. Um, you know, it's all right with hindsight. Would you would you have started Wilson? Do you think it would have made a different starting Wilson as a headed Isaac at the weekend? Or no, I don't think started the pair of them. I, I know that that keep, that question keeps coming up. Can is there a way of fitting them fitting them both in? And I'm sure Eddie Howe's you know looking at that and and. Weighing up whether it's something that he can do. Obviously, they you know they both played together for forty five minutes against against Brentford in the second half. Um, with you know with Wilson setting up Isaac's um, eventual winner. 
you know, Callum Wilson performed really well against uh, against West Ham and got himself a couple of goals. I, I, I personally think he, Alexander Isak is in is in is in the box seat um, for that for that role. If you're just playing the one at the minute, I think um, I think his performances over the last five or six seven games have, have justified that inclusion. But he, you know, Ali Howe's got a, a fantastic option there with with Callum Wilson if he's fit and firing and hungry and. And ready to go, and he may decide to make that change um, against Spurs on on the weekend. But yeah, it's. I don't think it would have made any difference personally. I don't think. I don't think it was one player here or one player there. I think it was an overall. Um, it was an overall collective team performance that was poor, and the fact that Villa were absolutely excellent and are in really good form. I think it was, you know, Newcastle would have needed to be absolutely at their, their best to to cope with Villa on on Saturday. Um, but there was, it wasn't just, you know, one or two different different positions or places. There was, you know, again, like I say, I didn't say the full game, but in extended highlights and from what I've read, you know, it was, there's was probably you know nine or ten players that eight or eight or nine players that didn't do themselves justice. And goes back to what you said at the at the top of the show, Steve, about you know Eddie Howe having a having a, a real kind of selection. Headache in some ways, you know, and in you know nobody, nobody justified their really their selection on on Saturday. So, yeah, great option from the half with with Callum Wilson potentially to come off the off the bench or even to, to start. Um, being really interesting to see what the what the the team uses when it drops an hour before kickoff on Sunday. What's your take on the Dan Burns situation? He's played most games this season. Um, he's been playing, I think a lot of us feel, out of position. Uh, although Eddie Howe now says he's a left-back. Um, you know, primarily, you know, we thought he was coming in as a centre-half. Played a lot of games at Brighton as a left-back, um, it has to be said. Um, but, you know, do you think it's time maybe for him to have a, a rest? Because that right-hand side seems to be getting targeted a hell of a lot. And I think that's that's been almost highlighted as a, a slight weakness. If you can get at the right-hand side, it, it, it affects Newcastle's play. And how in the press conference last weekend, you know, admitted that, you know, the reason that he plays that formation is it gives the opportunity for Trivia to push forward. And it means Dan Burnton took in and make a three. And, you know, he went in he went in depth about why he plays that formation. Um, maybe, he's, maybe he's, you know, given, away, given it away now a little bit, you know, for those who hadn't looked at the, you know, the way Newcastle set up and, and, and realising, you know, exactly what they were doing. Is it is it time maybe for Target to come back in? Uh, it's a good question, that one, Steve. Really good question. Um, I'm not, I'm not certain it is. I'm not certain it is. Um, I think, again, you know, Dan Byrne has, has had, um, has had a, a tough couple of games. Um, I thought against Man United against Anthony at, at, at home, you know, who, who gave him a, a real tough game in the in the cup final at, at Wembley. I thought he handled him very, very well. Eventually, you know, he had a you know a couple of couple of you know uncomfortable moments early on. Um, is he is he the the best you know out and out left back in in Newcastle or in the in the country? Maybe not. You know, target is 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 a is maybe more comfortable as a as a an attacking left back, someone who can who can bomb on a little bit more. You know, he's probably played more games there. But Newcastle got the, the best defensive record in the in the Premier League, or, or you know, I haven't checked the, the numbers, but it was the best defensive record. You know, prior to to, to Villa, I'm assuming it, it's pretty much still there. Um, the back four as a whole, I thought, were were really poor. 
against Villa. They couldn't cope with Ollie Watkins. They couldn't cope with some of the movement from the um, the the you know the, the runners from midfield. They didn't get much support from the, the midfield in terms of protection. And Dan Byrne had a had another you know uncomfortable game, but so did Kevin Trippier. Kevin Trippier was was that was one of the, the you know his weaker performances. Fabian Cher up against Watkins, really really you know poor. You know, Botman didn't have it, didn't cover himself in, in much glory. I didn't think on on uh, on Saturday from what I saw. So I understand the the Dan Byrne question. I, I do, but I think this is a this is a back four that knows how to play together, knows each, each other's strengths. Um, has been very successful and very compact. Um, I would look at certainly in some of the, the performances. I would look at the players ahead of them as to whether they're whether they're being as def- solid defensively or is it? Too, it looked very very easy to get at Newcastle's back four on Saturday, and while they didn't defend individually particularly well in that in that kind of personal battles, individual battles, um, I don't think it was it was solely down to them. So to answer your question, I would I would give I would certainly be keeping Dan Byrne in, in the in the starting eleven certainly for the next next few games. I think he's earned it. I think he's deserved it. I think he's he's um, he's his combination play with the rest of the team is is um, is something that that is is been been a huge played a huge part in Newcastle's success this season. So I wouldn't be taking him out just yet. Question there. Time to give Elliot Anderson a chance. Um, he seemed to be coming into Eddie Howe's thinking. He seemed to be, you know, on the fringes. He then got his opportunity. Uh, we all know what happened against Liverpool. But since then, you know, he's, he's had another couple of chances. Uh, seemed to be seemed to be getting into the flow of it. And then seems to be, you know, back to where he started again, which is, you know, not nowhere near starting, which, which is a bit of a concern. You know, would, would you have given him a chance or would you give him a chance? Not in the minute, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Again, I, I, I think, I, I think we've got to be careful not to overreact to, to to Saturday's defeat. Now, it was a poor defeat. It was a poor performance, like like we've like we've said. But and 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 there was a couple of signs in in previous games. I thought where you know we didn't play well in the first half against Burnford, didn't you know start sloppy against West Ham, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But look, this is a this is a team which is. Um, which is is fourth on the table. I don't think making too many changes and bringing players in and out, you know, throwing the, the baby out with the bathwater is not not the the response I think is needed to this to this Villa defeat. <clears throat> I think it's a time for for stability. I think it's a time for cool heads. I think it's I think you know who would you bring Elliot Anderson in for? Would you would you drop Joe Linton? Would you drop Joe Willick? Would you would you play him as a as a left sided forward um, ahead of ahead of um, Miggy Almiron if he's fit ahead of Wilson or and, and Isaac if you want to play them together ahead of Gordon ahead of Murphy I understand the the, the clamour for, for Elliot Anderson and I do think he's been slightly unfortunate but he's been a victim of, of Newcastle's consistency and performances you know there's only a couple of games ago we were, we were talking about how, how superb Joe Willett was and he should be pushing in for the potentially for the for the England squad you know we all know what Joe Linton brings to, to that midfield and all that forward line if he plays as the third forward, Miggy Almiron back fit again, top scorer. Um, Anthony Gordon hasn't quite hit his straps yet, but you know Sean Longstaff come back in. There's a lot of competition for places there, and I don't think at the minute Elliot Anderson is ready to start. Certainly, big games like that against against Spurs, uh, and I don't think he's. I don't think the, the players that he would potentially be uh, replacing. Um, 
deserve to 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 be dropped ahead of Elliot Anderson, uh, instead of Elliot Anderson. So again, that's my personal opinion. Other people will disagree and think he, he should be starting, but that's how I that's how I view it from a, a kind of collective and a team perspective. Yeah, that's fair enough. Uh, is Targan not regarded as good enough, says Simon? I mean, it would appear so, wouldn't it? I mean, he didn't put a foot wrong, but Eddie Howe's not going to say he's not good enough, but he, he seems to have had a brick wall like he did at Villa. Yeah, I think it, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting point. I, um, he's, I'm, I've never been 100% convinced that Eddie Howe is 100% convinced in Matt Target. I know he brought him in on loan at the uh, last season and then no, you know, signed him in the in the summer um, for um, you know one of the first signings that, that he made. But there's always been a little bit of talk around the left back position. There was a little bit of talk around the left back position before um, before they made the the Matt Target deal permanent. I've I've never been convinced that Eddie Howe's 100 convinced that in in Matt Target. Um, that's not to say that he that, that he doesn't like him. I just think he prefers at the minute he prefers playing playing Dan Byrne ahead of him, and, and that's that's fine. That's the way it goes. Newcastle got uh, a lot of options at, at left back, you know, with with you know Byrne and Target, and potentially you know Paul Dummett or Jamal Lewis. There's a lot of players who can play at left back. Dan Byrne's the one in, in possession. Matt Target's still got a, a bit of a way to go, I think, before he, he ousts him and. and and probably gets that full full backing and belief from uh, from his manager. Mm, okay, it's a, it's very much a case of wait and see. Tom Dixon says Ross with the nine clubs in risk of relegation. Who would you like to sign? I mean, uh, it's a lot of way to go. Even though there's only nine ten games left for most teams now, um, there are players I guess you would you would like to take, and um, it leads us nicely into an article which I highlighted and stuck in the uh, the chat earlier, which uh, links to the, uh, the the chronicle, of course, which is. Uh, Eight players um, that Newcastle United, uh, ideal transfer candidates, Newcastle United should be looking at the same this summer. And the uh, article was done by uh, Andrew Reynolds. I'll, I'll run you through the uh, the names as well. Some of them may be quite familiar to Newcastle fans over who uh, watch NUFC Madness. James Madison, um, Joe Pelhina, Kieran Tierney, um, Moses Casido, Joe Pedro, Amadou Anana, Marcus Thurum, Mohamed Salasu, and uh, that's the uh, end of the list. So any of those uh, players, Madison, of course, would be potentially a, a, a signing who I'd like to see here, but and could could come from a team that's relegated. I mean, Leicester certainly in the mix. Um, I guess another one I'd add to that is, is James Ward-Prowse, who, who I would most certainly think will end up in the championship with uh, Southampton. Um you know, there, there are other players. What's your thoughts and what's your thoughts on that list in the Evening Chronicle? Yeah, so I think, you know, the the relegation running is is really uh, tight, isn't it? It's, it's you know, and picking picking the three that are going to go down is is nigh on impossible at the minute, I think. Yeah, Southampton probably look, look nailed on as much as anybody else. Um, and if they do go down, then, then Ward-Prowse will be will certainly stay in the Premier League and, and I can imagine a lot of clubs being being interested in him. <clears throat> I'm not 100 percent certain if he if I think he's a great player by the way. I am just not 100 percent certain he'd be the type that Newcastle will go for in the in the summer. Um but I would you know I, I think he's a I think he's a real real talent and he scores goals 
his set piece delivery is excellent and he can he can get himself on the ball and, and, and pass and play. But I'm just not I'm not sure if he's the type of player Eddie Howe would uh, would would necessarily want want in. If Leicester go down, then you know I think Madison will be way anyhow whether they stay up or, or not. And, and they're the types of players the the Madisons and the I suppose the war process as well to an extent. But they Newcastle are going to look for top top end players this summer. You know I think especially if they get in the Champions League. But regardless of that, I think they they want to, want to, we've talked about it before with with Eddie Howe's comments. They, to improve that squad, they're going to need to go for top, top-end players, real high-quality um, internationals or players with with um, the potential to, to turn themselves into internationals over the next couple of years. There's no point just going in, in and buying. You know, I think gone are the days where <clears throat> Newcastle might look at a relegated club and go, oh, "Well, we can we can get grab this this player or that player." They've got to look at players who will improve their their squad and. In targeting three or four really top draw players, Madison is a, is an obvious target. Harvey Barnes at, at Leicester might be another one that that they look at um, at bringing in. Um, <clears throat> certainly, there's you know there's been a bit of a bit of talk around around him. Um, I think that they'll be looking at a real different level of of player in the summer. Um, in terms of that, the the list. You know, there's 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 a lot of players that I think Newcastle could look at. You know, Casido at um, at Spurs is a is a it's sorry not at Spurs, at um, at Brighton is a is a is a quality player. Um, even with a big in somewhere, and there'll be a lot of a lot of be interested in him. Um, and Newcastle do need a solid kind of six centre midfielder who can. Who can dictate play and get on the ball, and, and that's that's going to be a key area. Whether it's somebody like him or Calvin Phillips or a, or a, um, you know the the lad at Wolves whose name escapes us at the minute, um, those types of, of players. Um, Onana at, at Everton, decent, but I don't know too much about him uh, to be honest. Joe Pedro, there's an obvious link with with Watford there because Newcastle have tried to sign him in the past. So, look, Newcastle going to be linked with with. You know, dozens and dozens of, of players over the summer, as we well know. They want to look at it. I think they'll look to bring in a <clears throat> right-sided centre half, possibly a left back, a, a centre midfielder, and then an attacking player as well. So I think they'll, they'll look to bring in kind of four, maybe five players. But I think they'll be looking at real top-end players who will improve that team and be able to play in the in the Champions League. Should Newcastle get there? Okay, uh, Ross, you might want to jump onto your hotspot. I'm going to do the ads now. Uh, your internet's starting to falter a little bit. Uh, we'll be back after this. A big thanks to all our sponsors. Skips and Bins, telephone 0800 25 Email inquiries at skipsandbins.com. Website skipsandbins.com. Easy contract free and pay as you go waste collection. Thanks also to Mr Vicky's, Handmade in Cumbria. These sauces are really hot stuff. You can order them by emailing info at mrvickies.co.uk or by telephoning 01768 210102. Thanks to Neil and the guys at Media Arts for all the help with the video side of things. And thanks to qtechshop.co.uk, the makers of pool tables and snooker tables in Walls End, Newcastle, and the guys who run our website, nufcmatters.com. If you want to subscribe to the show, hit the subscribe button tonight. It is free. 
hit the thumb up under the video to like the video and click share to share to your other social media. If you want to join the channel, hit join. There's three different tiers. Pick the one that suits you and help support the channel financially. If you want to pay a one-off membership fee of £25 and get these goodies, a scarf, a pen, a cup, and entry into the monthly draw, then go to NUFC Matters and look for Membership Pack. Failing that, get your smartphone and put it over the QR code and it will take you straight there. We're also a podcast and you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean and other podcast providers. Usually goes up 24 hours after the show has finished. We also support the food bank on this channel. If you want to make a virtual donation today at the Matchday Bucket, go to nufcfansfoodbank.co.uk and you can make a deposit today. Don't forget to enter the Shira raffle. There's 150 tickets, £1 per ticket, and you can win a limited edition signed Alan Shearer ball. Enter now at nufcmatters.com. If you have a look on our website, we've also got a vast range of mugs, T-shirts, cups, and whatever else takes your fancy. The Isaac T-shirt has proven popular this month, 16.99 plus delivery from nufcmatters.com. Don't forget as well, we do a, a range of events over the course of the year. We have Peter Beardsley, an up-close and personal evening at the Time Mouse Surf Cafe. Limited tickets remain 25th of April. Get them now from surfcafetimemouth.co.uk or from ticketweb.uk. There's also an evening with Peter Beardsley on May the 19th at the Tyneside Irish Centre. And you can get tickets from newcastlelegends.com and tickets are £50. Don't forget our end of season do takes place 27th of May, 7 o'clock at the Tyneside Irish Centre. Tickets for that one are a tenner. NUFCmatters.com is where you can get your tickets for that. In June, Thursday the 1st of June to be precise, Rob Lee will be at Louis Liquor Store in the Big Market in Newcastle. And tickets for that are available direct from the venue. And an evening with Rob Lee, Lee Clark and John Beresford takes place the next evening on Friday the 2nd of June at the Grand Hotel in Gosforth. This is a charity event and tables are of £10, £700 and you can book them by contacting natalie at healandtour.org.uk or visiting their website. In July, Gavin Peacock is in Newcastle on July the 10th at the Tyneside Iris Centre. Tickets for that are available from nufcmatters.com and he also... Uh, takes uh, an evening with at the Surf Cafe in Tynemouth on the 11th of July. So get your tickets direct from the venue for that one as well. And if you're a boxing fan, the Night of Champions, Ricky Hatton, Frank Bruno, Nigel Benn and Joe Calzaghi takes place at the Fed. Uh, and that will be taking place on the 16th of June. More dates to be added. Tickets from all those events, www.goldstarpromotions.co.uk. Yeah, Neves was the player that uh, you were thinking of, Ross, at Wolves. Neves, yeah. Roger. Uh, the league is very tight, Tom. As for top four threats, I agree. Brighton are a worry. Yeah, they're certainly a team in form. It shows how important getting a result on Sunday is now um, against Tottenham, which, uh, again, is, is is very, very true. Yeah, it's top of the uh, top of the top and tough at the bottom. David John Cook says, did you see... Um, the Telegraph article by Luke Edwards saying our budget for the summer has changed from the planned 20 million and listed a set of players that will be 10 times that amount as targets. I, I mean, I, I've got to be honest, I don't tend to read um, 
a great deal on uh, transfers at all, as you know, Ross. Um, surely the budget wouldn't be 20 million, Ross. <laughs> I can't see the budget being 20 million. No, I mean, not, that wouldn't get you, that wouldn't get you, you know, someone's right leg these days, you know, never mind, uh, never mind a full player. Let's so, say that. Let's say that might be a typo on behalf of uh, of David, or it might be a typo on behalf of Luke. Either way, it'll not be twenty million. I would have thought two hundred million. I would have thought that yeah. might be closer to the to the to the mark this this summer. Obviously, a lot depends on <clears throat> some of the financial situations and, and and that Newcastle have when it comes to um, you know the commercial deals, as we we've talked about so often, and how it feeds into FFP. The sponsorship, um, the the kit deals, um, so much that is that is needed um, behind the scenes to to generate more revenue, which can then be fed back into into um, Eddie House kind of transfer war chest to use a to use a phrase. Good old um, journalistic phrase uh, that. Uh, Alan Oliver, <laughs> copyright. <laughs> we love a war chest. We love a war chest. War cry, um, war chest, war chest, or oh, kitty transfer, kitty. Transfer well, kitty yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I think it'll be, I think it'll be a big budget. I think it'll be pushing two hundred million that they'll look to spend on, like I've said before, four maybe five players um, around you know top quality players where you're looking at it paying 50, 60 million for for players. That's the kind of market Newcastle are, are probably going to have to 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 punch in these days, as it's shown by you know the money that they spent on. On Anthony Gordon, on, on Alexander Isak, on on Bruno, on Sven Botman, that they're the types of numbers that Newcastle will be will be looking at these days. That doesn't mean that they're not going to be looking for <clears throat> for the odd bargain, the odd um, the, the player, the odd player that they may be able to get for a, a 10, 15 million pound mark. Um, interestingly, the, I forgot about the the lad at Southampton, um, the centre half, Mohamed Salasu. Um, who is somebody who Newcastle are interested in? He's more of a left-sided centre half, but I, you know he, he's potentially available for for a little bit less money in the in the summer. So they will look to to bring in the odd, still the odd bargain if you if you like. But um, but yeah, I would have thought it'd be a, a huge war chest, kitty budget, whatever you want to call it in the summer of, of um, certainly more than twenty million, more more like two hundred. Yeah, twenty million. That's an Ashley budget, says Alan. <laughs> Uh, looking to get 20 million with Ashley, says Durham. Oh, yes, the good old days. You couldn't sign Steve Wraith for 20 million, says Ian. Thanks, Ian. Uh, you obviously saw us play. Um, Tom Dixon says, question for Ross. What's your thoughts on VAR with incorrect decisions? I mean, we've discussed this till we're sick sick in the um, sick of the back teeth, I guess. But there's, it's just, it's never ending, isn't it? Every Every week now, every week we're just seeing something crazy. What, what I think VR has done is actually it's actually made us talk more about refereeing decisions, more about about these sort of things. Because previously you just accepted it as human error, is is you know, or it's you know the referee that was that offside. No, how is he? How is he missed that? And then you would, or you would kind of move on, or or it's just made it so much high pro, more high profile because you know decisions that you know. People just don't understand VAR. They don't understand the inconsistency of it. I think people understand the inconsistency when it comes to, you know, that's what one referee deems as a as a as a foul as opposed to someone else. But you know, it's just so it's just been highlighted so much more. And when 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 you've got a system that is supposed to eradicate decisions, but you've still got people in charge making those decisions who are making mistakes, that it just compounds it even more. So 
it frustrates the life out of me, VAR. I wish we could um I wish we could go back to not having it. Um and and that's not me trying to, you know, you know say things were always better in, in, in previous times, but it, I just don't think that it's for what it's brought in, I don't think it I, I don't think the, the pros outweigh the cons at the minute. The the lack of celebration that you have in, in goals sometimes everybody's you know you half celebrate goals sometimes these days you know rather than fully kind of getting on board with it you're always thinking you're always almost sometimes afraid to let yourself go too much because you think well that's going to you know the ref's going to rule this one out or it's going to get checked and it takes four or five minutes out of a game absolutely absolutely can't stand VAR really really can't have, I made, have, I, have, have my feelings come through loud and clear there Steve on that one yeah, sick to the back teeth. That's what I was thinking of saying. Yes, but I have, Ross. Despite our poor performance in Villa, we still got nothing off the ref. We keep saying it's not VAR. It's the officials using it, which is true. Ian. Uh, bizarre comment from Shaka Hislop. Newcastle United will sell Bruno this summer if uh, a big bid comes in. Hislop says that if a bit of around 100 million came in, then Newcastle would sell. What's your thoughts on that, Ross? That's breaking news Yeah, I don't... I don't... Yeah, I don't think they'll sell him this this summer. I've said this before with with the Bruno situation. Though I think Newcastle have to have to match Bruno's ambitions. That 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 would be the key to, to keeping him. He's a he's a you know a fantastic player. I don't think his performance levels have been quite as high as what they should have been recently, but or what they have been recently. But he's a fantastic player who can play in the Champions League and will you know. Footballers have a short short career, and and for all that you know, we, we demand and and hope for loyalty from from players, and you get it. And someone like Bruno is clearly, um, clearly connected now to the club, and and, and loves it up here, and, and and you know is really bought into into Newcastle as a city and the fan base and everything else like that. If he's not playing in Champions League football in a couple of years' time, then you know. And he gets offers to, to play at that level. He gets offers from from clubs who can who can do that. His ambitions, in my opinion, will probably be to, to move in there. So Newcastle need to match his his ambitions by playing at the, the best level that they can and giving him that platform to to showcase his skills and abilities. Um, so no, I don't see him moving this this summer. Certainly not. But look, you, you know, you never see it never further down the line. Mm. Miguel Miron uh, was a welcome addition uh, on the bench at the weekend um, made a quicker uh, than expected recovery how important is he going to be in the running yeah I think he's going to be huge Steve I think it just it, it just gives Newcastle that extra little dynamic that added dynamic in the in the mid in the in the wide areas um, I thought that his performance has had dipped a little bit before uh, before his injury and, and you know he obviously he got um, he got put on the bench for a, a game or two, um, and Jacob Jacob Murphy came in, which I thought was fair. I thought it was really fair, but but if Almiron can get back to the to the form and the, the sharpness that he showed um, before, um, kind of before the, the 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 winter break, the the uh, the World Cup, then he's going to be a, a huge asset. I think even in even in glimpses on on Saturday when he came on, he had a couple of in half chances, he gets himself into some good positions, and and he's linked up with Kieran Trippier's um, and Sean Longstaff on the right hand side is, and, and Bruno is very very important. So um, great news that he's getting back. You can't we can't have enough players fit um, just to give extra options for Eddie Howe. If a game's not not going according to plan, he can change it off the bench by bringing on bringing on um, 
you know, your Miguel Mons or your Callum Wilsons or whoever, or Anthony Gordon's or whoever's on the bench. You need a strong squad, so it'd be very, very important. Hopefully, you can keep yourself fit between now and the end of the season. Harrison Ashby um, featured um, in the uh, 4-3 win against Norwich for the under-21s, as did uh, uh, the guy who has been pushed out of the squad, Ryan Fraser, um, who was, uh, in, in words of NUFC.com, a continual threat down the United left, um, although he's got no chance of ever playing for Newcastle's first team again, uh, as long as Eddie Howe's in charge. But Harrison Ashby uh, marked his debut. He converted a low shot from the right side of the box and uh, also came up with an assist um, so, you know, a good debut for the youngster after a little bit of injury uh, issues. Yeah, great to see him back, um, back fit and, and playing. I'm sure he's delighted to be uh, to, to finally um, be appearing in a, in a black and white strip. So, um, you know, he was he kind of came in a little bit under the radar in, in January, but um, he's somebody that Newcastle tried to sign before January, tried to sign last summer. So that obviously somebody that they that they've got a lot of um, faith and, and belief in, and he's still a young player, and he's you know he's, he's got a lot of work to do to get into that that starting eleven in the, in the first team ahead of ahead of someone like Kieran Trippier. But um, I think Newcastle team is is being a player that they can develop over the next next season or so, um, and, and and have him in and around that that first team now that he's that he's back fit. Okay, uh, Maxi leaving in the summer, according to reports I've read. You know, that's uh, again uh, the start of summer speculation, Simon. We'll leave that one for uh, the summer when we are speculating. Um, Les says, agree. Um, uh, oh, yeah, he's just talking about uh, something in, in the comments with regards to the AR. We need live ref communication. Yes, Simon, technology's there to do that. I completely agree, mate. I think it's a great idea. Uh, there was a positive over the weekend, other than the 21s winning, and that was the uh, the women's team. Uh, a 6-1 win over Bradford City on Sunday in front of a crowd of 24,092. Uh, maintained the hopes of winning the National League Division 1 North. Uh, so um, going great guns, the women, and uh, really giving it their, their best shot. So uh, third time they've played at St. James's Park. 100% record there. Uh, the goal scorers were Beth Guy with a brace, Charlotte Potts with a brace, Georgia Gibson and Rachel Lee, who wrapped up the points. So uh, yeah, that's a that's a big result for the uh, for the ladies' team, and, and and yeah, it looks very positive for them, doesn't it? It does. It does. It, you know, it's great to see that the that the the continuing to progress. Great to see so many people at St James's Park um, supporting them and, and backing them. And you know, we've called for as a as a group as a fan base. We, we you know we want to see um, a kind of a Newcastle as a community club that with that develops, you know, wider links with the with the community and not just focuses in on the on the first team, whether that's through the academy or through the women's football. Um that's that's great to see. Uh, you know, delighted for someone like, like Charlotte Potts who 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 um who got two goals after after helping run our our Easter holiday camp at uh, it's at Wickham during the during the week. So um maybe some of the some of the young players at, at Wickham's Easter camp helped uh, Help inspire her to, to a couple of goals, but no, it's great to see them some pushing on, and we'd like to see um, like to see them get promoted and continue continue their development. I think Newcastle will continue to, to focus in really really strongly on the on the women's team and, and back them and and help them um, try to get up through the up through the the, the league and up into the the WSL um, eventually. But obviously, a little bit of way to go. But you know, really strong signs and, and encouraging to see. 
Yeah, we've also had the uh, the confirmation that Newcastle's St James's Pod made the cut for the uh, the twenty twenty eight European Championship finals. Uh, we're in there with Wembley, Hampden Park, Dublin Arena, National Stadium of Wales, Spurs' ground, City of Manchester Stadium, Everton, Villa Park, and Caseman Park, which is in Belfast. Uh, so Old Trafford, Croke Park, London Stadium, which is of course West Ham, and the Stadium of Light uh, have all been. Elbowed, so Newcastle still in. Anfield wasn't under consideration. Their pitch dimensions don't comply with UEFA guidelines. Uh, and of course, Newcastle have got form in the Euros. Um, we had uh, hosted three games, I think it was in Euro '96. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a, it's great for the club. I think you know, obviously, first and foremost, you know, the you know, England and Ireland need to um, need to win the bid. Uh, for 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 Euros first, and, and then you know, and hopefully that that happens, and we get to see some more top class um, football at, at St James's Park, international football at St James's Park. You know, we've we've seen it like you say in, in Euro '96. We saw we've seen you know England games being hosted at St James's Park in the in the past when Wembley was was being renovated. Um, <clears throat> we had the Olympics in in 2012. As well, um, some some top players uh, playing at St James's, and it, it just opens it up to um, it's sometimes a different fan base as well. Get to see different different players, different um, games than what you would normally see. Different teams, so I think it's fantastic. What I would say on top of that as well, though, is I think um, should Newcastle should it should you know the bid be successful for for bringing the Euros and Newcastle are going to host some games. The stadium will need some real work on it. Still, it will need to be you know not just a bit of a tarting up, but it, you know there's some some areas which which we all know you know you know the board the the owners at Newcastle have have talked about recently as well in terms of some of the facilities and some of the the improvements that they want to to bring and hopefully this focuses the mind and sharpens it even more so because. You know, at times the in some areas the, the stadium looks a little bit tired and a little bit tatty, and it's been neglected under the Mike Ashley era, era as we all know. And and the current owners are, are very keen to to improve this the look of the stadium and the feel of the stadium. So, um, all positive signs, though, Steve. Yeah, since we last spoke as well, Newcastle have announced that they're taking part in the summer series of friendly fixtures. In America, uh, Aston Villa, uh, we take them on in Philadelphia on the 23rd. Chelsea uh, on the 26th in Atlanta. And uh, on the 28th, we play Brighton. Um, are you a fan of these pre-season type of competitions where we're playing against teams that we're going to play in the league? No, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really not. I think yeah, you, you come up against these teams enough um, throughout the season. And I just... I, I know why they've done it. It's, it's part of the Premier League branding, and and it's it's you know increasing the the potential commercial reach and everything else they had in in America. But I would have preferred to have played against you know excuse me top Spanish or top Italian or top top European teams rather than against teams that you're going to be playing against uh, week in week out once the once the season starts. That's just my personal opinion, and and you know, I, but <clears throat> yeah. I'm not, not necessarily a fan. Yeah, me neither. Uh, I've got to be honest. Um, I'm pleased for the lads out there. I mean, Kevin Childers, who's a regular on the panel and, and on the show uh, the, uh, during the week, is is in Atlanta. Uh, James Moore, one of our regulars in the chat. They all get a chance to see Newcastle, so I'm, I'm pleased for them. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm of the same mindset as you. OK, Newcastle take on Spurs this coming Sunday, 2 o'clock kickoff live on Sky Sports. It's a sellout. Fancy that. 
Gibbo and uh, Super Mac will be at the Dog and Parrot this week uh, at uh, midday, and they will be returning at 4.45. Uh, no news on the referee or VAR. A little bit early. Uh, I think we're all hoping that uh, Miggy will be fully fit this weekend and uh, that ASM will have returned from France and will be available for selection. Uh, other than that, not many injury problems you would hope. Uh, for Newcastle United. Spurs coming to uh, St James's Park in a little bit of disarray uh, with, uh, you know, the uh, the departure of the manager and, uh, you know, not great results in recent uh, weeks. But they do have a little bit of a jinx over Newcastle at St James's Park. Uh, we'll cover more of that uh, as we uh, develop into the week. So, Ross, your, uh, your views, your predictions for the weekend, please. Look, it's a massive game, isn't it, Steve? It's absolutely huge. You know, you couldn't, um, you you couldn't kind of want to, in some ways, a better or, or bigger game to, to come back from a, a disappointing result against against Villa. Um, Spurs, for me, are there for the taking, though. I think you know they might look at Newcastle and say similar. To be fair, you know they might look at Newcastle and say, you know, they were terrible against against Villa and, and bang average and, and for long spells against Brentford and so on and so forth. They might be looking at it and thinking the same. But there's no doubt that there's it's it's not the most um, it's not the happiest of camps at, at Spurs and it's that there's a lot of um, issues that are going on around the club and behind the scenes. Um, they don't have a, a permanent manager. Um, they've got fans getting on the on the back and booing certain players. Um, they've got players out of form, and you know the, the, there's a lot of a lot of issues that are surrounding the club. So I think it's a really really good opportunity for for Newcastle to to um, to put a little bit more distance between them and, and Spurs in the in the hunt for fourth place, especially with Newcastle being at home, especially with it being at St James's Park. If they can get that atmosphere flying, electric. Noisy, passionate as as we know that it has been over over recent games, and get that same same atmosphere going. There's a lot on the fan. The, the fans can play a huge part on on Sunday, I think, um, and the team can can feed off that. Certainly, in that first kind of 10, 15 minutes and make the fast start that we've been talking about there earlier, um, which they haven't been doing away from home. Get them fast starts. Get Spurs on the on the um, on the back foot. Then it could be a it could be a really, really good, a good game. Really um, big opportunity, I think, for for Newcastle. Um, hopefully, there's no injuries and no illnesses and, and everything else like that. And Eddie Howe has got a, a relatively big squad to to pick from. Um, I'm quite confident, though, Steve. I think it'll be, I think it'll be a Newcastle win. I don't know by by what, but I think it's a it's a huge, huge opportunity to to uh, really, you know, push Spurs out of the rec- out out of the running, out of the reckoning for that fourth place. Okay, prediction. I'll go for two nil, two nil Newcastle. Although I mean, having said that, Harry Harry Kane is always seems to to do well against Newcastle. Always seems to score. But if if we can keep Harry Kane quiet, who's a who you know, as I've said on this show many many times before, I'm a massive fan of him. Um, but I'll I'll be ultra positive and I'll go two nil. Okay, great stuff. As always, Ross, great to have you on. I'm back tomorrow with uh, George Mitchell. Those were the days, 6 o'clock pre-record. Thursday, 6 o'clock with Super Mac and 5 o'clock with three amigos on uh, uh, Friday night. Okay, cheers, Ross. Take care, mate. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, everyone.